2: The Telegraph. the Telegraph Podcasts
0: Hello and welcome to Brian Modes for Contact with the Telegraph. Well went to week two of the 2021 Six Nations and well would you believe it, Wales. And the tournament favourites, France, are still in the hunt for a Grand Slam. England bounced back from their opening round defeat at home to Scotland with a routine win over Italy. If you can call six tries a routine win, the undoubted highlight came from Johnny May, who produced a world class finish. Or was it a world class finish? Or was it illegal? What an illegal jump. Uh, we'll discuss that in detail. Jack Willis faces a long spell out uh, on the sidelines after being the wrong end of a controversial crocodile rogue from one of the Italians. Two wins out of two for Wales head coach Wayne Pivak. While well, they edged at Scotland in a thrilling game, the Welsh had the benefit of playing against 14 men again. But uh, that's nothing to do with them, is it? People have got to learn not to charge into rucks from 10 metres and fly off the feet in a reckless manner. Well, that's just my view, I'm sure. Uh, our co-host will also have his view. Uh, we'll be taking the views of the former Welsh international James Hook to discuss what now for Wales. Elsewhere, look, the France... They're still favourites on course for a Grand Slam narrow win over Ireland on Sunday, but I always felt it was comfortable. It was their first win in Dublin for a decade. We'll be asking whether their performance was worthy of potential champions, or was it an opportunity missed by the Irish, who have now suffered back-to-back defeats in the Six Nations for the first time ever? Would you believe? And as ever, we'll be answering your questions, including the refereeing spat between international club level. Owen Farrell's future as England captain. There's lots and lots to discuss, and I'm really pleased to say that we've got the experienced and uh, genuinely uh, thoughtful uh, comments from the Fiji former Sevens coach, Olympic gold medalist, Ben Ryan. Hello, Ben.
1: Hey, Brian. How are you doing?
0: Okay, mate. Let's start with Italy. 48-41-18. You can't sniff at the fact there were six tries. There only was less than than France scored against them. But uh, if it's possible to be slightly underwhelmed by it, um, I I was. I, I just felt that the individual brilliance of Johnny May and Anthony Watson papered over the fact that, you know, for large amounts of the game, England weren't coherent in attack. You know, a lot of, I mean, very simple things like just putting the ball in front of the man so he can run onto it and keep a, a, a move flowing. So many times balls were stopping balls behind them, above them, below them, you know, and, and, uh, and, and that, for, that for me put, you know, spoiled to, uh, you know, what could have been a, a better performance.
1: Yeah, I I agree. You know, when you look at their statistics um, uh, from their match reports, there's there's they they hit a lot of their high high levels. But when you kind of get away from that and you look at how they played, there there was I, you know they're passing. They suddenly haven't learned how to not pass or drop a ball. You know, it, it's it's down to just a lack of perhaps coherency and nothing seems to flow. I, I'm yet to kind of work out what their style is at the moment is it is the style that there isn't a style and that they just tactically change for each game but if they do that you're gonna you're not gonna get that flow in in attack and the attack was very laborious and like Italy showed the the best part of of the attack in the game they scored that that trial first phase you know which which you know you love to see and England outside of the the the, I thought Henry Slade as well had that mixed up his game well but but um yeah, they, they, it was a shame, wasn't it? We just we just want to see them kick on, and for whatever reason, they look, they don't look particularly happy with the ball in hand, wanting to play a bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, let's let's do the main talks. I mean, um, first, Johnny May's try. Well, it was given as a try. Um, mm. Some people disagree including Nigel Owens. Uh, and, you know, these views are obviously worth taking into account. They say it was illegal he jumped over the Italian um, tackler uh, I'll give my view. What's your view?
1: Yeah, it's illegal for me that that I think at the same time two things happened. He died for the line, but he also jumped in the air vertically. And I guess if you put it on the other side, what could Italy have done legally to stop Johnny May once he had got airborne? The answer is, well, nothing unless they'd waited for him and got underneath him when he lands to hold him up. Um, and, and it looked great. It was a magnificent finish, but it was, in my view, illegal. Yeah, let me give my view because
0: people have made their own minds up about this and they're not going to change their minds. Nice. Um, but so a sole of fact on the day is the uh, referee and, and the team uh, assisting. They didn't think that was wrong. I think uh, when people are talking about is it a jump or not, for me a jump is where you, you land on your feet. Um, a dive is where you take off from your feet and you land somewhere else. And what you can't do is compartmentalise one act because the one act is the... Is the taking off and the landing and the and it's one movement? To say that um, it's a jump to evade and then he puts the ball down seems to me to be artificial because it is one thing. Um, you're talking about a question of distinction from someone then who dows the line at, 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 at what people would say is a more acceptable. I don't know what is an acceptable height. You're starting to get into you know um, yeah. you're dancing on a um, you know angels on a head pin, aren't you? Um, you know, it, it, to, to me, um, bec- people start saying things like, "Well, what happens then if you do this in midfield? Well, you won't be you won't be grounding the ball when you're in midfield, so it's not the same." I mean, this is a really unusual amalgam of two things: one which could be seen as an, event, an attempt to evade a tackle, but also in the same singular movement, actually grounding the ball in goal and scoring. So you. So you in this one instance, you probably I don't know if they will have but again.
1: Well, um, it depends, I, doesn't it? Because often, often people look at what's happening at the top of the game and they they copy and plagiarise. And are we going to see now a flurry? Well, when we're allowed to see things, are we going to see a flurry of people diving like this, jumping five meters from the line? To well, the thing is, if you ju- if the
0: thing if people talk about well, what if you jump over a mole like in you know, yeah. or a rookie in, in like in American football? Well, for start off, in American football, you only have to break the plane to score. Mm. So, if you're driving, if you're jumping high, chances are you won't ground the ball. Actually, people will just hold you up. Um,
1: What What could Italy have done to stop that, Johnny May? Well, as you said,
0: I mean, maybe it could have gone higher. Maybe I don't. I don't. It it is difficult. Yeah. Um. But I, I, I do maintain that it's it's artificial to try and say there are the two aspects. One's a jump to evade the tackle, and then he scores because it's the same movement. It just happens to be that he evaded a tackle whilst he was diving for a, um, you know, I mean, there's also a definition of what is a dive and what is a jump to me. Yeah, and that's um, not clear, is it? No, it's not clear. It would be better if, yeah, if, I, I don't know. I mean, it would be better to me to say that um, the, the only act, the, the, act, of, the, the act of jumping um, apart from apart from if you ground the ball you know he's it, it, completely he's completely banned um, and then we'll, then we will see look we're, we're not going to agree on this and, and and everyone has their view let's go on something we probably will agree about there's a crocodile rule yeah. on Jack Willis well first of all to me the Italian player was on the floor so I don't think he should have been doing anything anyway in in that you know I don't think he, I don't think he it wasn't a deliberate act it's he's he's, he's Did what a lot of people do, but um, as far as I'm aware, once you are on the ground, you can't take part in the game, you've got to get to your feet before you can, and that includes doing things like crocodile roll.
1: Yeah, look, we're gonna, I mean, there are, I've been banging on for this, I think, since 2012. Saw a couple of Fijians when I was England coach getting ACLs in sevens, and Jean de Villiers got that terrible ACL, um, I think in Cardiff, and um. I just I, what what the very first start point is. It's breaking law. So why is it being allowed? Yeah. Uh, we can forget about all the other reasons. Well, the the jackal becomes an issue. Well, okay, but under law. This is now being allowed. Why has that suddenly happened? Because every time normally we've got new laws, you need a union to nominate, be nominated, you trial it, you have all sorts of things. Suddenly we've taken away two laws, which is you are not allowed to intentionally collapse a ruck and you're not allowed to intentionally come off your feet. Now, when you do a judo throw, you do both of those things if it's around a ruck. So I don't I don't see how it's, it's being allowed. And sometimes if you've got bodies on the floor then someone like jack willis uh jack willis he's not going to have any other his ankle his ankle and his knee are, have got nowhere to go and um it doesn't matter how much how how fit you are and how well conditioned you are that knees unfortunately going to suffer some trauma and and occasionally he can get out of the way but it's it's become part of the game now so the italian it was already illegal cuz he was on the floor but he just thought well this is you know this has been no one's no one's um Bl- blinked an eye, really, and they're allowing this. And that's my issue, Brian, that it's it's in the game and it's actually under law illegal. I mean, you're the lawyer. Well, look, well, look, <laughs> well, look, Ben, it's like this.
0: There are lots of laws which, unfortunately, they just seem to ignore, like the pudding and other things. And there are other, there are other things that aren't in the law that they now referee, like chasing your feet, um, taking the hit, which just are not there. They've mm. just invented them mm. and they are refereeing them. You know, I think it would be a start if the referee all the laws as they were there. Then we could then get back to a situation where we can see what does or doesn't work. And as you say, you can go through the full trial thing. But at the moment, you know, for want of a better phrase, game management, and they always use this, contextualize, and they always use that, do referees, you know, they are they are looking to 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 mould the game um in, in a way that they think we'll make it flow um, as opposed to just refereeing what is there and yeah. the other thing is this is if you if you, how do you know what will or won't happen until you do referee
1: <laughs> Well, this is this is the point you know whenever i whenever i see something on telly and i, I send out a tweet and i'll get lots of people going well how'd you get rid of the that we don't the point is we don't know and until we actually enforce these laws see what happens and then and but but if you're going to take a law out without telling anyone then it's got to at least make the game safer and it's got to make the game better. And I'm not sure how, how, how this does either. And it certainly doesn't make the game safer. And we've got, you know, and it's not just at the top end. This is what people, I think, fail to forget. It's not about England versus Italy at the weekend. It's about old Wimbledonians versus, you know, somebody playing in second 15 and getting, getting rolled and, and their careers and their um, injuries being sustained when they can be avoided. That, that's yeah. you know, it's a wider game issue as well. Okay, let's move move on. Um,
0: I, I said last week that Eddie Jones, because of the squad that he picked out pick early under the protocol agreement, there's not that much room for freshening the squad up. Um, but I think that this is something he has to look towards, certainly, you know, in the in the as soon as it is possible. I at the moment, I We all know what the Ford-Farrell-Slade-Access does and doesn't do. And I I just can't for life in me see that you are going to take that trio into a World Cup with, you know, great prospects. And if you're not, then you've got to try and find some way to change that. Now, the Ollie Lawrence um, selection and deselection is just one manifestation of that, but as a general principle... You know, what, what do you think about that that particular axis? Because this is a problem we've been talking about for six years.
1: Yeah, and it comes back to, you know, not quite sure what the overall long-term strategy is that then feeds into the way technically you're going to play on the field. and. Uh, it, it doesn't, it, it, it's not, it doesn't seem to be working at the moment. And I, I don't want, I don't want to like, I don't think i of us want to fall into this kind of fancy football type thing where we just go, well, he looks like he's playing well, slot him in, slot him in.
0: No, I'm definitely th- against that. Yeah. You know,
1: and there's a lot of money in the bank for what Farrell has done over the years. He doesn't, he doesn't look like he's having fun out there at the moment. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, and I don't, you know, and that's as much as weirdly I can see, because outside of that, you then look at what's going on in the game and, you know, the, the outside, one Watson and um, one Elliot daily offload. There was, no, there was no offloading in England backs for 80 minutes. Um, you can play Henry at 12 or 13. I think the way you can manipulate the way you played um, and you could put Ollie Lawrence in. I don't know what the reasoning was between not putting him in again for Italy. But again, we're not in camp. So we can't, you know, we don't, we can only look at what we're seeing, which is a backline that's not firing and that's not, mixing well enough with the with the forwards to allow us a flow that's that's exciting and varied it's it's very predictable um and uh, you know that's just that's you know you, you don't want to moan because the scoreline's decent but the opportunity to to see England going forward and actually seeing what are they all about what what is this team all about i can i w- I can't tell you i I don't know what they what they, what they're supposed to be playing like, or because we I think we're underusing the the quality of players we've got in this country. I thought
0: I thought the <laughs> I thought the, 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 I thought the carrying was better this week, but it would be when you've got McOwen and Paula back, and you've got Carl Sinclair back. But still, they are nowhere near. I talked to Sam Warburton about this in the BBC, and they're saying, and you know, he was saying, you know, when they were at the best, and he was playing. You know, you wouldn't know where the point of contact was going to be with these runners because they pick up the ball inside and outside at the last minute, or they'd take it themselves, or they'd move right around the back and do that, you know, do the deep pass to a to a to a runner that's that's running in a in an arc. Um, and I just didn't I haven't seen anything like that, anything even remotely similar in, in the in the past few games for England. And that is concerning because that was one of the things that they did really well, and it was one of the things that set them apart. And as was confirmed by, by, uh, by Sam, is one of the things that is really difficult to play against because it gets you over the game line. And where are they going to find that from?
1: By, by having a bit of guile, a bit of decision-making on the field, by having some, some surprise. Um, but at the moment, it's very predictable. You can see the runners coming. Yes, they are getting over the game line because they're big boys that are hitting the ball hard. I think about 50-odd percent of the rucks were fast, classified as quick rucks. So they were on the front foot against Italy um, to be able to generate that. But it's not a surprise, you know, it's coming. Um, and, and we really didn't see anything that, that was, was anything other than, than predictable. And it's a shame, really, because you've got players that are good enough that, you know, you look at that team, they're there as are the next two or three in each position. So it, we just want to see them moving on and developing. And they're just for whatever reason, it's not happening.
0: Well, they've got to face Wales uh, away in the next... I mean, the next round of fixtures is going to tell us mm. uh, th- an awful lot about, about every team, but maybe apart from... from as I you know, just mentioned, before we go on to the uh, Scotland-Wales game, I actually think that this uh, group of Italian players is quite exciting. I think as a young group, it is as good, um, certainly you know, in terms of the elusive uh, game knowledge when, when you get out of the set rope plays I think it's as good as they've had for for quite some time. And, you know, I'm looking forward to it developing. At the moment, I certainly think they're the equal, if not better, of Georgia. We want to discuss what was a thrilling Mm -hmm. game from start to finish. Scotland-Wales, one-point victory. We're going to have the uh, benefit of a regular contributor to our podcast. Welcome again, James Hook, the former Wales Fly half. Hello, James yeah, Brian. You okay, mate? Yes. Um, two out of two, only one of the two uh, unbeaten teams. Um, can, you, can you try and disentangle what was uh, Wells' fortune? Not their fault by any means, you know, but it's a, it's a stupidity of their opponents. Yeah. <laughs> getting players sent off the element of fortune and just how much is down to them improving.
2: Uh, yeah, I think it's a bit of both, particularly in the Scottish game. I think the Irish game, I think if uh, if Ireland had 15 players on the pitch, I think they probably would have beaten us. They were probably actually the better team with 14 men, Ireland. Um, but yeah, I think first half against Scotland, Wales were were pretty poor, 17-3 down, and I think if, if they, you know, go 17-3 down against a team like England, uh, you know, you probably wouldn't see them coming back. But even after the red card, you know, I thought the momentum swung, yeah, because of the red card, but we started playing a lot better. Um, and we started scoring some, some good tries and I think probably the errors in the first half would probably consume wheels a little bit.
0: The contribution to me of the players who came on, the young players, mm. they, all of them did something that was quite noteworthy, whether it was a, whether it was a contact rip, you know, or a clearing out or, or something. Yeah. Um, and uh, what was your view of their, of their contribution?
2: Yeah, I thought, I thought it was fantastic. Like Jim Botham, I think you're probably talking about him with the rip. He was fantastic. And, you know, he wasn't in the squad uh, a week ago. So we've got some real strength and depth there. And and Brown came on uh, at prop and, you know, he had a pretty big scrum to uh, to defend right under his own post. And I thought he, he performed really well. And and the halfbacks that came on as well. It was a big call by Pivac and the coach and staff to, to change the halfbacks after 50 minutes. But something needed to be done. Like I say, we were down by by a fair bit at that point. And uh, just in, in that space of between 50 and 55 minutes you know it was a red card we changed the half backs and we, we scored a, a very good try and, and that's probably when the momentum swung
1: what do you th- what do you think is the main difference between now and and the team from 2020 can you can you put your finger on where you think there's been improvements
2: uh, i think we've got a we've got a little, little bit more confidence obviously off the back of a win like like you always do but i think our defense is very strong now we went into the autumn our defense was a little bit all over the shop if we're honest there's a lot of dog legs and you know in particular France that they they tore us apart there but I think our defence seems to be a lot more connected now and uh, that's given us a bit of a, more of a platform in attack and I think we've got some individuals now like like Zamet who, who can score tries and Josh Adams you'd, you'd you know, assume will be back for the English game so if we can you know we, we've got a set piece as well Ben uh, you know, which we didn't have in the autumn. I think Wynn Jones has propo- uh, performed really, really well. He's sure they scrum up a little bit, which uh, obviously gives that platform for the backs.
0: And this is a point you, you raise, and you're in perfectly as, as entitled as anyone else to make this judgment call. What do you do about the half-backs? Because you've got two guys who came on who look to change the temper of the game. Um, they're young. And then mm. you've got two guys who, between, have got well over 100 caps.
2: So who do you yeah. start with? It- yeah, it's, it's easy to say after, you know, they did really well. The halfbacks that came on, and I thought they did sort of up the tempo of the game. But I think to go in with them and start against England, particularly if Halfpenny is out, uh, you know, we would probably shuffle Liam Williams at, at full back. We'll have a strong back three, but we haven't got a recognised goal kicker then. I think Sheedy is, 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 a, is a better attacker than Bigger, but his goal kicking and I'm just his kicking in general is, is not probably up to, to bigger standards. So I think you'd start with Dan Bigger again and, and probably Gareth Davis or Hardy. I, it wouldn't really bother me either, or at scrum half. But I think you start with bigger, and again, you know they know they've got the confidence now. Early on in the game, if it's not going right, they, they can bring obviously the young boys on. I I just wonder. I mean, if this were to be a, a Wales victory,
0: you hmm. know, you, I mean, no one wants to, you know, overdo Grand Slams, but they are significant achievements and they're not easy to get. You'd have France at home for the last one.
2: Um, Yeah, France away, I think, isn't it? France France away the last one. Yeah, so that'll be tough. Big, big, big big fix to you. Could they do it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And notoriously, Wales, and probably most teams, momentum is massive. And we've got two victories. Uh, I'm not sure how, really, but, you know, we've got two victories. And we go into the England game, going for a Triple Crown at home. And, And England, you know, as we all know, they've come under a little bit of criticism. They were obviously a lot better against Italy, but... I, th- I think we can match them if, if we do match them up front. I think England have got some quality backs, quality individuals, but at the moment it doesn't seem to be clicking one way or another. So it'll be a great game, I think.
1: I'd love to know what you feel about the development of, of Zamit, Whether you think you know he's going to be he's going to be in that Welsh team for a long time now, and you know, are there any more of, any more like him coming through as well?
2: I haven't seen any more like him, Ben. I got to be honest. Uh, <laughs> no, I, th- I think he's been really impressive in the way he's, he's carried himself since he's uh, had his first cap in the autumn. And Wales were quite reluctant to throw him in in the autumn. And even though he's been, been performing for Gloucester for the last season or two now and scoring fantastic tries and winning Player of the Month, they've sort of held him back a little bit. But I, I don't think you can hold him back now. He, he's showing what he can do. And when you've got a player like that, and let's be fair, rugby hasn't been the most entertaining over the last six to eight months so when you see players who can do things like that you just want them on the field so I, yeah I, I see a long sort of future for him obviously hopefully he'll stay injury free and the frightening thing is he said the other day that he's, he's going to get quicker he feels he's not as quick as he can be at the moment so yeah. that is a scary thought and what, what do you think just with with that sending off when they made
1: the decision to keep eight in the pack and drop one of the backs um, to go 14 have you ever been in a situation where that's happened and you've made that call and think it was the right one?
2: I think it was, yeah, because Scotland and Wales, actually, their attack in driving wall was was very strong. And uh, I think we needed something to sort of uh, stop Scotland's driving wall. So, yeah, I I think that was the right call, to be fair.
0: Uh, Just a final point with with, with Rees. I mean, obviously a very prodigious talent. Um, I was with Sam (laughs) Warburton over the weekend, and he was saying that people have been asking him, you know, He's newly really married. Can, I, can, can you introduce me to him? And stuff like this. And he said he's it, gone completely crazy. And you know how uh, febrile the atmosphere is in that triangle in where Welsh rugby is at the heart of everything. I just wonder, it's good, it's good in being out of that in, in, in an everyday base in Gloucester. Um, I just hope for him that someone takes him to one side in, in the right way and says, look, everything's going right now, but just be careful. Just be careful what you say, what you do. There'll be enough brickbats coming your way from, from you know, just just as it happens. Don't don't give anyone ammunition.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's the the danger sometimes. I think Shane Williams came out uh, yesterday and said, you know, let's let's not put too much pressure on him. And but I think when he when he scores tries like that, it's that's what sports all about. You know, I remember Wayne Rooney coming on and scoring one of the goals of sixteen. You you can't help but stand up and just take notice. So it's it's brilliant. But yeah, I think I think. By his interviews after the game, and you know, having have heard his interviews in the past. He seems a level-headed guy, and uh, I think I think he seems a guy who can keep his feet on the ground. Anyway, we'll soon see, you boys. We? <laughs> we will soon see. If England is sensible,
0: they'll try and put some high balls upon him because um, it'll be the one time that they might get it right. Because we will see. but he, that, that is an area which which obviously he's going to have to uh, he's going to have to front up in. But as you rightly say, what a prodigious talent, And mate, it's great to speak to you again. Thank you very much.
2: Anyway, thanks, boys. Take, Take care. care.
0: Then talking about Scotland, to me, and I wrote this and said, "Look, Scotland, there's a lot more to come from the Scotland side, provided that they can score points when they're on offer, and that all that 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 includes taking points as well, and that's decision making. And either side of half time, uh, well scored a try, you know, just you know, really short before half, and then after that, they turned down three points, and then they had the try and do the post disallowed rightly for." For obstruction, that would have given them a three converted try lead, and I and although Wells were resilient, I, I, I very much doubt that they'd overturn the three 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 converted try lead, even with the red card, um, and that is a game management issue, and they th- that is the thing to me, which is the only thing I can see them stopping stopping them becoming a very good team.
1: I, 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 you know, obviously they, they played brilliantly the weekend before, and I thought they played very well on Saturday. Um, and well, were unlucky at times. Really, there you can see the way they want to play. You've got a very energetic forwards that have got their set piece right. The backs are cutting free. That all their offloading came through their backs, and um, and they've got you know they've got an outstanding back three as well. Depending on on who they who they pick, and they've got a couple of injuries. I, I think they were unlucky at the weekend and um, they're a very good side and they're on an upward trajectory. And, you know, as you know, far better than I do, you know, it doesn't always mean the best sides win these, these big six nations games. And it was, it could have gone either way another five minutes and Scotland might have nicked it. So um, I think they're, are they going to be very much there or thereabouts to, to still win this championship? And um, then next week, one well, two weeks time against France is going to be a, a should be a great game, I think. Should be, Could be the, game, yeah. should be the best game in the Championship with the way that French are currently playing and Scotland and the variation. Um, it's going to be pretty exciting.
0: And let's get the Xander Ferguson Red Card out of the way. It's as simple mm. as this. Prior to this season starting, this this tournament starting, I and many other people um, were involved in a, a conference call with World Rugby and George Ute and the referees and... Um, uh, Joe Schmidt, who is a, for the elite, develop, you know, elite development uh, part of, the, uh, of World Rugby. And by extension, all the national coaches and therefore their players would have known what this, was about, what this conference is about. And it was about what the referees were going to do in this championship, the five areas we're looking at. And one of them was very, very clearly this, in, this, this charging into rooks and so on, the head contacts and the protocols and how it's going to work and so on. Now, if they didn't know that this was going to be uh, featured, they were stupid, and they should have known. But when, when they should have known anyway, and then you have the uh, example of the previous week with Peter Armani, which was, which was only very slightly different, then for them to ignore this is simply crazy. And George Schmidt was very clear. He said, look, if you set off and charge into a rug and leave your feet from 10 metres, you are best reckless because there's no way you can control your body. You can't react to anything that goes on in front of you. And that is you are responsible for the outcome. Now, if you don't like the outcome, the responsibility is for you not to make the referee have to make a decision in circumstances like that. The very fact that he didn't use his arms is to me, I mean, you can still contact first and go through with your arm and be effective with a clear out. In the same way with a chop tackle, if you yeah. don't use your arms, you're going to get pinged, and you're going to get pinged with this. And we're trying to stop that. The referees have been very plain. We're trying to stop this. And I'm sorry, I, I, I had a limited amount of sympathy when I, when I reviewed it again. I thought at the time, well, the Welsh player, he, was, he came up slightly because he was ripping the ball. But, the, but that's just, that, that isn't down to uh, Ferguson. Ferguson didn't know that because he was in midair when that happened.
1: Yeah, I, I agree, Brian. It is clear, black and white. And um, Joe Schmidt had made it made it very clear. I, I I would love him to come out and say the same stuff about about the the crop role because I would assume that he must be on the side of make, thinking it's legal. I'd love him to tell me that he doesn't think that because I think I think that if he didn't, then I don't think we would be going through this. He's he's you know he's one of the the, the people that wouldn't be able to make these decisions and these changes and and. I think you're absolutely right. I think also it comes into Xander and got it wrong it's a clear red card. Um, he also, when you see he was he was, you know, he, he didn't have a picture on what he was hitting, so he was going to have no accuracy around that. And and I think again that you know that that goes into clearing up this ruck still because it was a messy picture. He got it totally wrong. He didn't use his arms. He gets away with it a bit, probably uh, other levels of the game. And even in you know the first time you see it, you look like he was unlucky. But then when you see the proper cameras. You know, he, he's, he's got no other. He's got no excuse, really.
0: And let's just mention this for for sake of balance. I thought that um, I mean Owen Farrell, uh, I thought got away with one. I mean, I don't think yeah. it was uh, anywhere near the same sending off. But again, if you choose not to bend your back, use your shoulder or your arm in a tackle, and you you know you come head to head with someone, then you've got to take whatever comes as a consequence. I, I thought he was lucky to to. You know, not to be penalised
1: at the very least for that. Yeah, I I agree. I I I don't think it merits a red card, that, but it would have been a reverse penalty or yellow card, I think, for Mm -hmm. for that. And they are clear on that. And if they see it, they are going to they are going to punish it. And that's to be 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 you know, you've got to say that's that's a really big positive tick for world rugby. So I'm going banging on about it, but they need to be more black and white about about Mm -hmm. what's going on in the crocodile role because that is people's careers at stake.
0: Ireland, France. It was a, a tense game in the end because the scoreline, you know, was as it was. But let's let's also, for the sake of fairness as well, England got so much stick for kicking in the first game. There were far more kicks in this game from both sides. There was nearly a kick a minute, you know, and for about twenty odd minutes, it was it was really dull. It was a scrappy win for the French, but actually, I thought in the end, in the way that they have been in the past and the way that. Their psyche generally is. That's a good sign for them to be able to win ugly, Actually,
1: it's a very tough place, you know, to to go. You know, and uh, I thought they played. I thought they played well. I thought they were controlled. I thought they varied it. It was a wonderful try with the with that offloading. And and that's that's less about the actual execution of skill and more about the mindset that they when they see the space, they've got enough confidence to to get into that that movement where they can offload and they can support well. And there's other times where they'll get their kick chase right, which they haven't done in the past. Um, and so they're getting that better. You know, obviously, Sean's done his thing defensively, so they've tightened that up and everyone knows their roles and responsibilities. And there's real black and white in understanding on what they're trying to achieve on the field. And it was it's not just Dupont. Olivier, uh, was was fantastic, you know. And I think the fact that they know what they are doing as a group, is underlined by the fact that Ontomac isn't playing at the moment, but his stand-in is doing a very good job. And who given, would you? I mean, if they were both uh, fit, Ontomac is world class, and he's on an upward trajectory. And him and Dupont can, can, on their day, um contribute towards beating anybody in the world. So that, that's where they are. I just think, I just think, you know, the, their system shows that they can slot someone in and. We're having this conversation about whether whether he should be in front of Ontomac, who can obviously also play in the midfield as well if needed. But um, uh, now he, he's back in for me, and I think they've got they've got a lovely blend as well. I thought Villiers played really well on the wing, um, and you know he's he's starting to emerge. It's not bad
0: when he could lead Teddy Thomas out, is it? You know, just oh,
1: <laughs> no, that's it. You know, and and Teddy Thomas is, is a magical player, so you're seeing some real depth. Now and I think there's more cooperation between the top 14 and the test team. The the coaches are are of a very high standard. It's well thought out. They have a clear goal of the 2023 World Cup in France. Um, you know they they are playing very well.
0: Well, you you're saying we you know we, we we're having they're now having a debate about Anto or Jalibert, and that's great. We could have been having we hopefully we might have a debate Smith or or Ford or or some, or someone. Uh, and but what do you do at scrum half with England? Well, Randall or someone else or some. To me, that to me, there just needs to be a change in personnel because we, we know what these players can do, but they're not doing it.
1: The, they're not. They're not all the heights they were. I'm sorry, they're not. The, 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 I guess the first thing I, I haven't watched Tigers play the last couple of games when Ben's been playing. I, I I'm biased because I've coached him. I've seen what seen how he plays, and um, you, you know he is world class. You pick on form. If Ben's still the best nine in the country, I think he can go all the way through to the next World Cup if he's on form, and that's a straightforward conversation that, that and that you can have as selectors. Um, Randall and Robson and a couple of the others, there were opportunities to get get them more game time against Italy, and they haven't done that. And at ten, you know, for for me, I would be I'd be looking towards Simmons or Marcus Smith to to start to get them properly entrenched. They're both game breakers, decision makers. Um, and uh, distributors, and, and I think they deserve a chance now. That, and they've they've shown that at club level.
0: Um, Andy Farrell said after he was unbelievably proud of what the Irish did. Now uh, let's 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 give him the benefit of the doubt because he's you know he, he's going to be positive. He's going to be his players. Um What do you make of, of what's happened so far? Because I I think it's it's average with the Irish you know I think they've been average
1: um, I think they've got a you know they've they missed they missed Sexton and um, Billy is going to need a bit more time um, and I think they just you know that that's that's an area where perhaps he didn't have the composure that the French had on the other side of the field but Billy's a great talent um, and I, I think two things one that France are a very good side and I think we'll see in the next few weeks um with their results, that the Irish result might not look as bad as as it as it does, and I think maybe Ireland are going through a transition. They were going through that when Joe Schmidt was still in charge, and you saw that at the World Cup that they were they were having to replace some very good players, and they were gonna they were gonna be hit by in terms of results. They're still going through that, and they've you know they've got time before the next World Cup. Again, we don't know what's going on in the training paddock. Um, they're obviously working very hard. They're not going to quite get the results because they haven't quite got the, the, the team in that upward trajectory at the moment, Brian. That's how I see it. They're going through this transition and they'll, they'll come through it because they've got the system and the players, but they haven't got them quite yet.
0: What do you think about this comment from um, the former doctor in, in France, one of the team doctors, that Johnny Sexton, he said, had, had suffered 30 concussions during his time at Racing?
1: Yeah, he he retracted that, didn't he? When he was um when he was pushed on it because what well, you know, <laughs> confidentiality is, yes, is, is probably about For the first off, yes. first second and third yes. on your list as a doctor. Um, and you know he 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 said you know he was he wasn't being he he was he was being too um well it just wasn't right what he was saying and um. Obviously, he's had a few knocks on his head and, it's, and he's had that over his career and players do get that. And he's in a position where he, he potentially, if he doesn't get things right, he's going to get plenty of concussions. I think we've obviously highlighted that while rugby had done a brilliant job around concussion management. He shouldn't have said it, that doctor, and, and I'm glad he's retracted. But um, it's something that we've got to continually to keep an eye on because, you know, it's, it's on the increase and, um, and we've got to look after the players that are going to be the, the next generation.
0: Okay, well, before we get to the fan questions, we've been discussing what could happen with the Lions tour for the last few weeks, and you are going to have to make a decision fairly shortly. I mean, if it was up to you, what what are the criteria for you, and, and how would you try and mix them and and, and, and bring a resolution?
1: There's there's obviously t- there's two sides of it: is that making it commercially viable, and then the players actually playing. Could the players go and play behind closed doors? Yeah, they probably could. Is that in, Is that what anyone wants? Not no. Um, can we do that in the UK? Maybe. Um, you know, South Africa still aren't allowed to fly into most countries at the moment. So that's an issue. You know, their seventh team have just been stopped from going to a tournament in Spain. Um, and, you know, the, the, the position on the ground in South Africa is is not a good one at the moment for, for various reasons. So I think, um, I think, you know, it's going to be a very hard one for them to be able to get a team playing on tour in South Africa and they'll maybe look to have some um, showcase games. I know the Lions is a touring side. But we're in times where we've got to show a bit of flexibility and maybe it's uh, some showpiece games in Europe um, until they can get things moving again.
0: Because, I mean, one, one thing that people keep saying, which we just have to keep repeating um, and, and telling them about this, is you cannot just move this to next year. That's a year before World Cup. There isn't space in the calendar. The unions won't allow it because they've got their own plans You know, in the countdown to the World Cup. So you can't just move it. You can't swap it around. Nor can you just say, well... Go to Australia this time and um, next time because, you know, the the logistics are huge in these things. I spoke to the baggage master in the last World Cup. These people were travelling days and weeks before to set things up. I'm afraid it has to happen in the time frame window it is now in some format or it just isn't
1: going to happen oh too i mean you know I, I consult for uk sport and with the olympics you know it's it's more than weeks it's months and months you know yeah. that they're having to get things across and you know when you've got such a big event like the olympics it's that it's, we're worried about whether it's going to happen and other global events um it's a very short runway for the lions to be able to get everything going now and it's you know, unfortunate. Like you say, there's no other window. So either they have some sort of lines fixtures in the same window, or they've got to wait another four years. That that is it.
0: Okay, right. On to questions. Samuel, what are the differences in refereeing between international games and domestic games that leads to England players giving away so many penalties? Are there any differences? No. Well, I don't think there's any discernible difference. I just think the discipline's not being good enough. It's as simple as that.
1: Yeah, I, I same, Brian, nothing else to add, really. There, isn't, there shouldn't be a difference.
0: Now then, one for from, from you, definitely. David uh, has asked, why don't referees apply all the laws equally? I.e., the squint throughout the line out um, is not sanctioned. Squint for a scrum, sorry, is sanctioned. Squint for the scrum, not sanctioned. Tax release, et etc., etc., etc. et, cetera, et, cetera, et, cetera, et cetera. Why yeah.
1: do they do each other? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, when you talk about line actually, you probably see it, Brian. You know, their feet are not behind the line when they chuck it in either. They're no. they're well in the field of play. Um, and, and they're the little things that um you would like to see tidy up. However, it goes back to my original point, if they aren't so that you know, the the crooked, it's consistent, so everyone's being allowed to put it in cro- crookedly, it is not increasing um, any player welfare issues and it doesn't detract particularly from the game. There's an argument there, if you you know from that that perhaps you do want everything a bit straighter, but that's that that you know that's why I think it happens. I don't necessarily agree with it. I, I would like to see it done properly and have a contest where you can have a contest.
0: One uh, well from Jeremy: Is Eddie Jones too locked into Farrell being the starter and captain to allow the team to grow? <clears throat> um, I think. Well, let me just give a yeah. uh, give you a jump to think. I, I uh, Farrell's got a lot of credit in the bank. However, at the moment. He doesn't look on on the form that he has been. In previous form, he's looked to be a Lions starter. He's looked to be potentially a Lions captain. You know, in his better moments, you couldn't say that at the moment. And Eddie Jones has got to decide when the line between loyalty and then just allowing people to be comfortable when they may not be, they shouldn't be comfortable, and no one is bigger than the team. Where that is, I'm not sure where it is. He is in a better position but he's got to make that call at some point.
1: And there, there are a lot of things we, we're not aware of about how, how he's reacting to lockdown, to not playing regularly, to his team being in, in the level below, um, to what else is going on around the team. And it might all be contributing to him just not feeling as though he's he's happy in his game and, in it, and it contributes to his form. You know, all we see is the fact that he's not the same player that he, he has been at his best in an England shirt. Um, but there's far more that comes into it than that. So would I like to see a different midfield? I would. Would Owen be in it? Yeah, po- possibly. But if, if he was at his best and for whatever reason, he's not. And, and for me, the number one reason probably is he's just not got the game time behind him at the moment.
0: James, a bit of a frivolous one, but well worth asking anyway. Which England forward is going to get sent off against Wales based on the way Genge came into Saturday? Smart, my smart money's on him. Needlessly wild in a game that was already won. Uh, well, if any England player does get sent off for similar reasons to the ones previous, they're idiots. Uh, and I sincerely, well, I don't believe that will happen. Denj no. um, at the moment, he's a bit of a wild card. Uh, yeah, he needs to temper his carry. Not least because on, on several occasions he's run away from his support and he's had the ball ripped off him. So I don't have any problem with him wanting the ball and wanting to take it forward. Just needs to be more judicious in how he does this. Um, he is one of the players who can be a carrier so we need that and as simple as this if England carry on giving penalties away at the rate they have been doing they're not going to win games so they need to address that
1: they're not but yeah, I I like what Genge brings I think he's a great player I think it's difficult coming off the bench um, and immediately having an impact and you can see he was full of energy and emotion which you you want from someone to represent your country playing in a test match he obviously needs to be controlled he needs to get those 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 are butterflies flying in formation. Um, but he's a, he's a terrific player and, and I think he, he, should never, he shouldn't be labelled, labelled anymore as though he's a hothead. I think he's worked very hard on all of that. And, um, you know, I like, I like players like Genge playing well for England. I think they add a point of difference.
0: Uh, final one. Uh, Dom, why is it hard so hard being a Scotland fan from a Scotsman? <laughs> Mate, Dom, it's a hope that kills you, isn't it? Oh, every time. If they were just abject... You could just get used to it, couldn't you? Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I do think you've got cause for optimism. I, I just think that the small things, uh, but this is an interesting thing. At what point do you say the small things that keep happening are no longer small and there's something constitutional about them? I don't know. I just hope, and I've said this, I've written this this year, what all this team needs is a consistency uh, in the attitude and the, Physical nature of the performance, and then to take the points when they're offered, not just in terms of coin, uh, converting them from score chances, but taking the right options to take the points. Look,
1: my opinion is that Scotland are a good side. They've come on a lot since the World Cup. They've learnt from. What didn't go right um, in Japan, I, th- I think they're on an upward trajectory. And if I was a Scottish fan, I'd be feeling very buoyant at the moment, and especially after the win at Twickenham. Um, you know, they, they, they were unlucky in Wales, and I think they're still going to have a very good Six Nations.
0: So, Dom, there's more hope for you, which will just make it worse, <laughs> won't it? Sorry about that, mate. Well, look, that's all we have time for, apart from... Ben is going to tell you about a new podcast.
1: Well, yeah, I am. Thanks for, for allowing me to It's just the Ben Ryan podcast. It's one that I'm talking about all sorts of interesting people from the world of sport and beyond about culture and performance.
0: So there you go. What, what, what how do people access it, Ben? You can
1: get it on all the normal platforms, Brian. Yeah, it's, it's there. the Ben a, Ryan podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, and get it there. It's in bright orange little logo because, <laughs> of, because of my hair. So
0: and there yeah. you go. That's all we've got time for. Full contact the Telegraph. Huge thank you to my co-host. Ben Ryan and to uh, my guest James Hook for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, why not subscribe and check out some of the previous episodes and to stay in touch with all things sport, why don't you go to telegraph.co.uk forward slash contact where you can get 30 days access to all the Telegraph premium sports coverage and it's completely free. I'll be back next Monday same time, same place. Until then now, it's goodbye. Stay safe.